0: This is on the block with Brent Axe.
1: Well, it's a little nervous in the summer. I don't like to get nervous <laughs> in the summer, you know. But it's fun. Uh, fans have been great. Uh, they, they, they're play There's good teams in this tournament. All these teams are good. Uh, this team's a really veteran team. A lot of smart players. Good shooters. Good penetrator. They know what they're doing. It's a really good team. That's Jim Bayheim right here on ESPN Radio, Syracuse, and the team he was discussing there was not the team that bears his name. It was brotherly love, the team that knocked out Beheim's army from the basketball tournament at OCC on Sunday, despite the heavily orange crowd, all the players and coaches that were there from the current team, certainly the fans. It was described well on Twitter today as kind of like a Syracuse basketball comic con. And here to join us uh, to discuss that, talk some football, a few other things, is our man from Syracuse.com. Give him a follow on Twitter as well for all the latest. Uh, Chris Carlson with us here. And, Chris, I think Kevin Belby, the GM of Bayheim's Army, put it best when he said, you know, it was a perfect weekend short of the result of yesterday's game.
0: Yeah. I mean, as far as kind of a summer celebration of, of Syracuse basketball, um, it couldn't have worked out any better. Um, the OCC Arena was beautiful. Um, the, the folks from Central New York and, and Alaska and, and all sorts of, you know, they they came from all over, um, sold it out. Um, you know, it's always good to see those guys um, play. And, and, you know, they were involved in so many different places in the community, from John Gillen doing a camp. Um, I know Rinzi Onwaku did some kind of local uh, autograph signings. They were at the Syracuse Mets game. Um, they were at the Boys and Girls Club. So, you know, for, from everything other than they would have liked to win $2 million, kind of a cool way to celebrate Syracuse basketball in the so, summer.
1: So looking at it yesterday, what was it that Brotherly Love did that Beheim's Army had trouble keeping up with?
0: Well, um, you know, there, there's a couple things. Uh, those guys from, from Philly, I, I saw Kevin told the, uh, the Daily Orange, I mean, they practiced together for six weeks. Um, they were a better team. Um, you know, they made extra passes. Uh, when they got in trouble with the ball, they knew exactly where their teammates were going to be. Um, the ball moved so much better. So one, they were, they, they were just more cohesive. They weren't better basketball players, but they were more cohesive. Um, you know, Bayheim's Army is never going to be that cohesive because those guys are just spread out all over the place. This is a team where everybody was from Philly. So it was easy for them to get together and practice. Bayheim's Army will never do that. They're, they're always going to have to out-talent people. Um, and from that perspective, what could they do better? Um, you know, they, they were old on the front line. All their front line guys were over 30. Uh, I think that was an issue the whole time, but certainly when you got to the third game um, and you've got a pretty heavy Orenzio Nwaku, you've got Hakeem Moore who's played forever, and Daryl Watkins is a big guy, you know, they, they didn't look like there was a whole lot of juice left. Now, they had Chris McCullough signed up to play, um, and he would have been really, really helpful um, but he's taken his team on a run, playoff run in the Philippines, and, and they're 10-1 since he joined the team. Um, Brandon Trish also, you know, he, he probably had the best international season of any Syracuse guy. He would have added some youth, um, and he would have been a player who, you know, behind army didn't really have a guy who was a pass-first guy uh, or, you know, really is a guy who looks to make the smart play all the time. They were a collection of shooters, scorers, and inside guys. So, so, Trish, I think, would have brought a, a skill set that that didn't that they were lacking. Um, you know, and that would have helped. Uh, would it have been enough? You know, I don't know. Uh, would it be enough to win the whole thing? I don't know, but, but they would have had a better chance.
1: Chris, uh, something you brought up is something that I just don't think this team can overcome, and that is they can't practice together for six weeks, four weeks. They can't even practice together for two weeks straight, given everybody's schedules and how this thing kind of pans out. So, That Achilles heel aside, what do you think Belby's plan should be going forward to make this team better and go deeper in this tournament?
0: Well, so, I mean, Overseas overseas Elite doesn't really practice together, and they're the team that's won four consecutive years. They're they're guys that are just so good, um, and they play at such a high level internationally that that their basketball IQ, just they get on the court and it works. Um, You know, and I, I think it depends on what Kevin wants to do. Um, you know, a, a, an alumni team has not made the finals of TBT since the first year they had it when the prize money was $500,000 ever since they boosted up it up to a million dollars ever since they've started, you know, becoming more attractive to players, an alumni team has not won because the competition has gotten tougher. Um, so, uh, if he wants to win, Uh, they probably need to go a little bit more outside the Syracuse family or he has to get lucky and and hope that Chris McCullough doesn't sign a professional contract. Um, and and that Brandon Trish doesn't get hurt. Um, and and that he's able to put together the perfect roster and everybody is willing to commit and it works out perfectly. Um, that's kind of the only chance I, I think the Syracuse alumni team would have to win. Um, But these guys,
1: are
0: they really like it. You know, they like coming back here. They like the Syracuse alumni feel. They like getting back together. They like celebrating Syracuse basketball. And I don't know how much they want to change the feel of that. You know, I think that's kind of what Kevin wants this thing to be. And he's going to keep trying to win, and he's going to keep hoping that everything goes perfectly. Um, And if not, we'll we'll have fun in the summer, and we'll, you know, Talk about Syracuse basketball, and we'll celebrate it in July. And and they'll, they'll have nice runs, but it'll be tough for them to win the whole thing.
1: Let me just ponder this, and I'm, I'm asking it out loud in that, look, it's blasphemy to suggest that a team that wears that uniform shouldn't play zone, but it just feels like a lot of these guys are doing it from muscle memory. It's almost like they kind of feel like they have to because it's a Syracuse team, but where they're coming from and all the spots they're playing in, a lot of these guys aren't playing zone at all, so are we kind of forcing the zone thing here, or can it be an effective thing in your back pocket against certain teams in this tournament?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it, a lot of people said it. I, I think you're right. You know, I, I think Jim Beheim's zone is so good because they practice it now or every day, and, and everybody knows what they're doing, um, and they're all recruited to play it, and everybody's on a string because they're, they're doing it on a daily basis. Um I don't think that you can really jump back into, into TBT and practice for three weeks and have the rotations be as crisp. Uh, I do think man-to-man defense is certainly kind of the better defense um, overall uh, for this event. Um, That said, you know, the Syracuse also like, like we talked about, right? They had some older players. Um, John Gillen's not a great man-to-man defender. Uh, Eric Devendorf has never been a a tremendous defender. Um, They're a little old on the front line. So, do you want to like expose those guys in a man-on-man-to-man? Man man? You know, do you want teams putting some of those big guys um, in the pick-and-roll repeatedly? Um, you know, I, I don't think that was their big problem. You know, I think it's just more a uh, kind of a cohesiveness and how difficult that is, and, and just how hard it is. Everybody else is picking their team from every player playing overseas. Syracuse is trying to pick their players from Syracuse players, and that, it's just that is a huge disadvantage to start from.
1: Chris Carlson is our guest from Syracuse.com. Check out his stuff on Twitter as well. Chris, uh, you mentioned Eric Devendorf. Look, that guy shows up to this thing every year. (laughs) Incredible, And it's just what he does is incredible. He's one of the only players on that court that's not playing anywhere currently. I mean, he works out. He stays in shape. He's coaching. It's not like he comes in cold, but he's also not a professional basketball player like a lot of the people around him yet he ends up being the best player on the floor often in these games. Yeah,
0: that, that to me, uh, I mean, it, it is the most incredible thing that we see every summer because everybody else who is great in this tournament is like an elite player in, in Europe. Um, you know, the guys from overseas elite, uh, Kyle Fogg, uh, C.J. McCollum, D.J. Kennedy, uh, I mean, those, those, those players are leading like China in scoring. And Eric Dievendorf is, is on the staff at Detroit Mercy and <laughs> shows up and, and just just plays and his his competitiveness is just so bonkers that that he can do that. Um, and it is truly just, just an outlier. He is an outlier. There is just no other way to explain how he can do that every Year because it shouldn't be possible. You, you know, uh, you can you can tell some of the older Syracuse guys, Hakeem Orick, that uh, talked about how hard it is for him to take time off. It, one week off, two weeks off, he starts to feel it, um, uh, he, and he gets rusty, and and he doesn't feel like his body is quite in basketball shape. Eric Dvorsky takes eleven months off <laughs> and just comes back and does it every year. I, there's you, you cannot you cannot overstate how incredible it is.
1: It, you just can't. Chris, shifting gears to football. They report for camp later this week, and it's been incredible to see the hype going into the season. I think this is the most anticipated Syracuse football season ever, in the sense that, look, the one I compare it to is people were really amped about 1998, but I don't think that was about a season and a team. It was more about one guy, McNabb. It was McNabb's senior year, and there's a lot of hype around him. And that team was coming off a string where they had won nine games in previous seasons. The way that this team won 10 a year ago, the flashpoint that that was and how people expect that success to continue, built up on a number of things, the national attention they're getting, uh, the talent that they have, the preseason accolades they're getting at certain positions, notably Andre Sisco and Andre Schmidt. This is incredible, the amount of hype and interest in a Syracuse football season. Here on the brink of training camp, I haven't seen anything like it. What What are you feeling? What are you thinking? What What interests you about this team as they get ready to get it going on Friday? Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, you know, you you would know kind of the history and the feel um, around here better than I would. Uh, I was a, starting to be a college student in two thousand, so I, you know, when I was at Syracuse, so I missed kind of uh, that 97-98 and I wasn't local, so so I didn't you know feel that excitement, um, but. I mean, I just I, I want to see how it works with Tommy DeVito, just like everybody else. Um, you know, Eric Dungy, uh, similar to Eric Evendorf, right? He, he, he was the ultimate competitor. Um, he, he was, he kind of could single handedly give them a running game and, and some balance at times. So, you know, are they going to be able to be as balanced with, with a young offensive line? Uh, and some changing parts, and without Eric Dungy, um, you know, I'm curious to see that. But at the same time, Tommy DeVito's skill set is actually better, you know, for this offense theoretically than Eric Dungy's was. He's a better pure passer. Um, it's more what what Dino Babers wants out of his offense. So, I mean, how good can it be? How, how good can that offense get if that's true? Um, you know quarterback's always the sexy position. So, so that's the easiest thing to pick out. And I haven't been around the team all that much. But, but man, I want to see how the offense looks with, with Tommy DeVito there.
1: Chris, keep up the good work, my friend. Good stuff. Uh, well, you got to cover a number of interesting things this week, and I know your favorite was that Andrew White crashed a wedding.
0: Yeah, yeah. How cool <laughs> is that? I mean, that, that sums up the whole thing. You, you come to town and you get invited to a wedding. That's Syracuse basketball.
1: How fun is that? Thank you, sir. We'll catch up soon. Talk to you soon, bud. That's Chris Carlson, Syracuse.com. Now, we're going to come back, and I want to stay on the Syracuse football front because I want you to think about this. What is the biggest question mark on this football team entering training camp? No, it's not that. I'll tell you what it is next. Stay right there.